Hello and welcome to In the Classroom, an educational podcast making teaching and learning more transparent. My name is Benjamin Stewart at BenjaminLStewart.org. Today I want to talk about organizing your argument. Today's discussion is primarily directed towards those learners who are currently taking Thesis Seminar. Thesis Seminar is a 16-week course uh, designed to help learners to uh, develop a literature review, to collect data, analyze that data, and report their findings in, by developing a thesis paper. So today's discussion about organizing an argument are primarily going to be related to the development of a literature review and the development of the results and discussion section. So thinking about the question, how can I effectively present an argument, Today we're going to talk primarily about the Toulmin method. There are other methods that you could consider, but for the most part we're going to be uh, adhering to the Toulmin method in terms of how we're going to organize our, organize our ideas. If anyone is considering an alternative method, please reach out to me uh, and we can certainly discuss those options. The Tolman method allows writers to construct a sound and organized set of ideas intended to focus on the justificatory function of argumentation. So the key takeaway here is to consider the why or the process of justification when trying to link the evidence to certain claims. So the main parts of a Tolman method are the claim, grounds, warrant, backing. We also have the, the idea of a counterclaim or rebuttal. All right, so let's take the idea of a claim. Think of a claim as a conclusion. A thesis statement would be an example of a claim, a topic sentence, the main idea, proposition, assertion, main argument, initial argument. These are all words that come to mind when thinking about what a claim is or maybe even an example of a claim. So let's look at an example, thinking of this idea of a conclusion or initial argument or main idea, proposition. Manufacturing hybrid cars provide an effective strategy to fight pollution. So let's take a look at that claim and what kind of grounds might support that claim. Think of grounds as evidence, facts, data, examples, statistics, you should use evidence to support a claim. So grounds support a claim. In other words, provide the reader with facts, data, examples, statistics, etc. that prove your argument is strong. So you want to have plenty of evidence. You want to have plenty of uh, plenty of support. Some ideas that come from outside sources in the case of developing a literature review to support a particular claim. Let's look at an, an example of our claim, manufacturing hybrid cars provide an effective strategy to fight pollution. So one example of uh, grounds to support that claim might be driving a car is a typical citizen's most air-polluting activity. Let's take a look at a second example of grounds or a, or a second piece of evidence that might support the claim. Each vehicle produced is going to stay on the road for roughly 20 years. A third example of evidence to support our claim might be hybrid cars combining a gasoline engine with a battery-powered electric motor. So here we have three pieces of evidence to support an overall claim. We could probably envision the development of a paragraph using 
these grounds to support our topic sentence or our claim, the main idea for that one body paragraph. So now let's go into a warrant. Now a warrant, think of a bridge, analysis, synthesis, comment, explanation, justification, an opinion. These are all words that come to mind when thinking about what a warrant is. So in a warrant, you explain why or how your data supports the claim. As a result, the underlying assumption that you build your argument on is grounded in reason. It's really the connection between your grounds and your claim. It's the connection between the evidence or the premises that relate to the claim that it supports. So in our example of manufacturing hybrid cars provide an effective strategy to fight pollution, we had our first piece of evidence, driving a car is a typical citizen's most air-polluting activity. So maybe a warrant for this particular piece of evidence might be due to the fact that cars are the largest source of private air pollution, switching to hybrid cars should have an impact on fighting uh, pollution. All right, if we look at our piece, second piece of evidence, each vehicle produced is going to stay on the road for roughly 20 years. Cars generally have a long lifespan, meaning that the decision to switch to a hybrid car will make a long-term impact on pollution levels. The third piece of evidence was hybrid cars combine a gasoline engine with battery-powered electric motor. The warrant Again, might be the combination of these technologies provide less pollution. So think of warrants as being either explicit or implicit, right? So that note that each point, each piece of evidence has a warrant. And when writing your paper, some warrants can be explicit while others can be implicit. If it's explicit, you're going to be including it in your paper Implicit means that you would leave it out. So it's not necessary to always include warrants, but you always need some warrant, whether implicit or explicit, to link the evidence to the claim. Now, based on my experience, many uh, learners struggle with the warrant. This is usually the most challenging part of developing the Tolman method is to make sure that the warrant is clear. And I would rather have learners err on the side of writing a very obvious warrant than maybe not mentioning it when you should. And this is something that we're going to work on throughout the development of your literature review, especially how to properly articulate the warrant within your body paragraphs. All right, so let's move on now to the backing. Now think of the backing. The backing for me is, uh, of, I guess, of all of the different elements of the Tolman method, uh, the one that uh, you probably, in most cases, will not need. But the backing would be required. You can think of the backing as a foundation. It's there to um, provide more information about 
the warrant. Think of it as adding additional logic or additional reasoning that supports the uh, the warrant. All right. So again, this will be. We'll look at your uh, papers. We'll deal with the the backing on a case by case basis. Um, But again, this is for those cases where maybe stating the warrant alone would need further uh, reasoning, further information, right? To to make that uh, point clear. All right. Now the last two, the counterclaim and rebuttal. These are two very important aspects of developing a an argument. Uh, think of the counterclaim. Remember, I mentioned before that uh, by definition, a claim is something that is debatable. That is, there are two sides to any good claim, any sound claim. So, a counterclaim is going to be the opposite. It's going to be the uh, the opposing viewpoint of the initial claim. So when you're developing your paper, whether you develop a counterclaim or include that within the same paragraph of the initial claim or you decide to present the counterclaim in a subsequent paragraph, uh, you need to think about how you need to develop counterclaims that support your initial claims. Right, so introduce counterclaims either within the paragraph that contains the initial argument or claim and or in the subsequent body paragraph that comes after the body paragraph with all initial claims and explicit warrants. Right, so this is again something we'll be working on. The presentation of initial claims, counterclaims, and the rebuttals. Where the counterclaim sets out to say, well, what's weak about the initial claim? The rebuttal sets out to state what's weak about the counterclaim. And so again, the way in which you present your rebuttal, in most cases, are going to be actually in the same paragraph of the counterclaim. I think in most cases, the rebuttal should be within that same paragraph or that body paragraph. So we have initial claim, a counterclaim, and rebuttal. We can think of a counterclaim as being an objection. We can also think of a rebuttal as being a reply to the objection. Okay, if you want to think of it in, in terms of those those words. Sometimes they're referred to, rebuttals are referred to as replies, and sometimes counterclaims are referred to as objections. All right, so these are the main elements of the Tolman method. Claim, grounds, warrant, backing, counterclaim, and rebuttal. And the way in which you organize and position these elements throughout your text will will determine in large part how strong or weak your overall argument is. Now, I've mentioned here in the, um, in the page the uh, Rogerian method and the classical method, and we're not going to talk much about it in our class. Again, we'll deal with it on a case-by-case basis if necessary. But the key idea here that uh, I want to bring to your attention specifically relates to the classical method where I mentioned here the modes of persuasion and the components, um, different components and structure that relate to the classical method. Now, modes of persuasion, ethos, pathos, logos, we'll talk about that more in class. You can take a look at it. But the key point here is that we're not ignoring the modes of persuasion. That is, we can still address the modes of persuasion 
within the Tolman method, which we will. Um, but it it's not necessarily a either or situation with uh, in terms of modes of persuasion. Same with components. Uh, notice here under the classical method we have an introduction, the context and background information. We have a claim, and then position or positive proofs and negative proofs of support, and a conclusion. So it's really just a different way of organizing our ideas. For our purposes, for our paper, we're going to be thinking about the introduction and the background, primarily the background of the problem, within an introduction paragraph, our opening paragraph of our literature review. And then our claims, our stance, our position, our proofs, our positive and negative proofs, all of that are going to be developed throughout the paragraphs, as, as we mentioned um, prior with the Tolman Method. So we're not ignoring these different sections. It's just uh, basically in the classical argument you would develop, you probably spend more uh, time developing the background, whereas instead of maybe one paragraph, you would have maybe a section. But I'm going to recommend for the most part to develop the background information and the problem within one paragraph at the beginning so that we spend more time on the actual solution. You can think of your thesis paper as a problem solution where the problem is again being developed in the introduction paragraph, whereas the rest of the, the uh, literature review really sets out to address a, a solution or a possible solution. So closing thoughts. Your thesis statement, your topic sentences from body paragraphs, your assertions from outside sources that serve as evidence or grounds for uh, for more broader claims, the reporting of findings from your own research and your interpretation of your findings are all different types of claims. More specific claims that support more broader claims are called premises. A sound argument contains premises that lead to more broader claims that align to the main idea of your thesis paper. Think of it this way. When writing your literature review, you're going to be developing evidence sentences or grounds that support the topic sentence of your body paragraph. The body paragraph, or the body sentences, I should say, of the body paragraph support the level two heading that marks your two to four subsections of your literature review. The level two headings or subsections should align to your thesis statement. In terms of your research and discussion section, your findings, your direct quotations, your statistics, observations, your responses to questionnaire items, all should align or support the topic sentence of each body paragraph. Each body paragraph should align with the respective level two heading or subsection. Each level two heading should relate directly to a set of research questions and or a hypothesis. The thesis statement should answer the research questions and or be aligned with the hypothesis. So there's a lot there, but the point here is to try to align your claims, to align your organization so that at the end of the day you have a thesis paper that is coherent. All of this relates to coherency and how 
your organizational pattern or patterns that you choose strengthen your overall argument. Now, the second closing thought. Organizing an argument, that is, organizing your thesis paper, relates more to writing style than it does to the mechanics of writing. Most of the feedback I provide English language learning writers relates to writing style than it does to mechanics. Also, I tend to provide feedback that relates to writing style first before providing feedback about mechanics. Now, there are some exceptions depending on the severity of the mechanics, and I don't necessarily ignore mechanics throughout the process, but certainly my main focus throughout most of the writing process actually deals with writing style. Writing style relates to the choice of words, the choice of sentence structure, and the choice of paragraph structure, whereas mechanics relates more to spelling, grammar, and punctuation. So I just want to distinguish between writing style and mechanics. Today's discussion on organizing an argument relates more towards writing style. This has been In the Classroom, an educational podcast making teaching and learning more transparent. Thanks for listening.